Hello, everybody. Welcome to Under the Spotlight, episode three. Holy shit, you guys. Thank you so much for all the feedback you gave me from the last episode with Byron Saul. That was one hell of a episode and the feedback was just amazing. You guys have been so supportive. And I put a lot of time into these episodes, a lot of editing time and research and the interviews itself to the point that I was thinking, you know, this is almost becoming like a like a, a little mini part-time job i mean it started out as a passion project but it's really kicking off into something so if you're feeling generous and you would like to show your support for these podcasts you can go to paypal.me forward slash hugh burgess germany and make a donation my guest this month is jana hansman aka harbor violet born in the little town of bremer vorder am i saying that right she grew up in mickelstedt there's around 250 to 300 people there and was surrounded by the music and love of her grandparents, which I think are her earliest memories of music. Around 2002, she took up the guitar after a surprising musical influence, which you'll hear in the podcast, and developed her identity through the years winding between classical to rock to soul, picking up many traits along the way. Today, you can find her in Hamburg, where she's a regular at several music venues. She's developed an aptly named genre for herself, which she calls soul folk. It's a pretty good description for what you'll hear. All right, before we get into the main interview, I want to give you a little bit of a background on some of the music you're going to hear. A couple of the songs were recorded live by myself at a gig, which I went to see Harbour Violet playing in. I went to a place called Osterbrookplatz, which for the event was called Osterbrooklyn. Now let me set the scene for you. There was a group of boys about 50 feet away from me who were trying to steal some of the local bikes. There were kids running around with their parents. The band were tuning their guitars. People were walking to and from the buses. When I looked around, I could see people leaning on their windows, catching the sun ray in their faces. The sun was setting. It was around seven o'clock. I was quite nervous for Harbour Violet to play. It was outside. It was fresh. It was quite cold. And some of those kids were fucking annoying. People were chattering in German with each other. And now I want to take you into the first song. It's a cover of Alan Stone's Unaware. Thank you. 
gonna stretch it any further A good friend, ladies and gents, Harbor Violet. Why and how Har Harbor Violet? How did that come around? Um, I'm a graphic designer professionally, so I studied graphic design um, uh, in Hamburg. And then I got a job at a design, design agency and um, I did a job where I photoshopped violets and at the same time like my mind wanders all that I have a monkey brain so I thought of a band name like I say band name because I wanted to have a name that that leaves a bit more space for interpretation so maybe some people if they hear my name I don't want, want it to I didn't want it to be like Jana Hansmann like my mm. full name um, because I didn't want it to sound like uh, like any other song writer or something so I thought maybe it's a something like a picture and I came up with Harbor Violet. Were you doing music while you were doing graphic design? Um, no I was sitting in the office actually so I had to do um, a client job and I was just like you know that that was a task where you just like um, where you have to cut out a violet and put it on the design and then at the same time it's like okay I need I need a name soon like an artist name and then um, I came up with Harbor like oh maybe that's that sounds cool and I sent a list of names to a friend who's working at Warner Music and they just like take Harbor Violet because that's the best name. What got you into music in the first place? Um, I guess the the turning point where I said I really want to make music was when I. So Avril Lavigne on, I guess, Viva no. MTV. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, was... I, thought you, I thought you were going to say you saw her live. <laughs> you didn't see her live. No, no, no. Okay. Unfortunately okay. not. Right. I would love to see her live one day because that she, she kind of started everything. Because I wasn't the cool kid in school. And then I thought, if I want to be cool, I have to do this. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And did your uh, influences draw heavily from Amber Levine? Only her? Or? No, I, I thought of where the my musical origins are actually rooted. And I think my grand-grandmother always uh, used to sit with me at the vinyl player and sang with me while my parents were working at the farm. Mm -hmm. So every time my parents had to work, I was with my grand-grandmother and she would always sing with me. And um, my granddad plays the accordion, do you say accordion in English? Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's been doing that since forever. And every time he had birthday, there were some like his hunter friends, because he used to be a hunter. And then mm. they played some traditional music. And yeah, so I think my influences also lie there. So actually at the very beginning until I was two years old uh, there were um, four generations my grand-grandmother my grandparents my parents and me and my brother so like a big big family music was a big thing in your life yeah and but I, my, my, my family actually is not like we're not all musical so my parents were not but my grandparents I guess I think my, my grand my granddad and my grand grandmother, she I think she just liked singing, and I just remember it like mm -hmm. that was. I mean, I was like two years old or one or two years old, and I still remember that. So it's kind of 
um, marked in my brain, I guess. And my um, my uncle is a guitarist. Oh, really? So, so is mine. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. He was my yeah. biggest influence. Yeah. He was. Oh, um, wow. I mean, he still is a guitarist. He he had his own thing going. Um, he moved to Australia in 1998. Wow, okay. And I think that was when he oh, really that, that's started. That's why you have the Australian guitar? That's why I was there. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's how, <laughs> yeah I, didn't, I didn't order it from there. Okay. I was there. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I remember growing up and he, they would send CDs to us. Cool. Of their albums. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I just remember like so, there's so many points in my life that surround his music. What and kind I, of music is he doing? Oh, it's weird. It's like alternative rock. Cool. Well, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I remember hearing somewhere that he got played on the radio once. Wow. But I don't want to misquote but, but, that. Maybe. But that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, maybe it was another time. <laughs> did you ever have um, your uncle ever play with you? Um, I know. I, I remember that I um, kind of noticed him play when we were there at his house in Berlin at that time. Or I was... Um, also, I guess, in his rehearsal room at home, I think he had um, a room in his basement where he had all those instruments. And um, by now, he moved to Bavaria with his family. And um, last time I was there, a few years ago, he showed me like his e-drum set that he bought himself and some keyboards. So I think he's just like doing everything for fun. And yeah. And at what point did you pick up a guitar and say, this is what I want to do? I think I was... 11 or I think it was uh, 11 or something it was 2002 when I saw Avril Lavigne oh, you know okay. so I was like oh my god I want to be a cool kid so yeah, if yeah. I'm extra cool I have to be like this chick so I dressed up as Avril Lavigne I, I looked like a copy of this girl and what were you wearing I was wearing like um this uh this these red check pants like this Scottish um Tartan? Pattern? What do you say? Oh my god, tartan? Yeah, I think so. Oh like, and then she wore like band shirts yeah, and a tie. Thing. Was that the skater boy years? <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> totally. my god. Did you do the, the scene hair as well? Like um, she has her... Yeah, I mean back then she had um, I think light brown hair as uh, like, like me. And then I just wore it long and straight. I just looked exactly like her. I, I copied her style. This is really funny. Oh, okay, so um, my my parents thought it was horrible. My grandparents were shocked. So like, were they really, yeah, probably wondering what you were going through? But yeah, because like any child, eh? and then I I wore ripped jeans to my granddad, and then he got really angry, and I never wore ripped pants like ripped jeans. I was that. I was gonna ask you like, how did you transition from the Avril Lavigne to the the Harbour Violet? Because I I get the feeling like you're very versatile yeah. with your music. Yeah, I think um, first there was this Evelyn and rock music. I my first like you say either you're Linkin Park or Nirvana, and I was Linkin Park. So my first real hot rock album was Linkin Park Meteora, and then I got into uh, like all kinds of rock bands. Um, I think 17 years old, I was so into the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, mm. and I just tried to play songs of Stadium Arcadium. That's a very nice album. I, I always had like phases of music, so like that rock phase. Um, also Paramore. I, I thought Hayley Williams just had the huge, like big voice and I was so jealous and I could never sing a song of hers. It was so hard. And then I um, got into indie, like British indie rock bands, like uh, the Wombats or uh, oh, Arctic Monkeys. Yeah. yeah. And then I had my first boyfriend at 18, 
and he was into Bring Me the Horizon. So yeah. then we heard um, hardcore, and I was like, oh well, that's too much screaming for me. So I rather listen to metal, and then I don't know. It's like kind of. Uh, were you were you finding your identity this yeah. whole time with the music? I think so. And then, I don't know, after that, where my musical, like, what direction I was in. But um, after my, um, my high school, we saw high school, I think at, around that time, I, w I was still into rock music. But then I went to Dublin um, to study there. Um, for seven months and then I think then I got into like the songwriter scene because I saw a lot of songwriters there and like music got more melancholic Where, so, whereabouts were you? Um, I was in Black Hole Place that's on the northern side um, like north of the river and um, right down the street there was um, a bar and they had an open mic and I just wanted to go on stage and play. Yeah. I just wanted to, to sing and play guitar. And then I kind of got to know all the musicians there. And for example, Gavin James, who is now signed to Capitol Records in the USA. And uh, he was uh, on tour with Sam Smith. And wow. like, now he's huge. Wow. And I had a beer with him. So like there was like all kinds of crazy people running around there. Wow. It was really like a chill place. What, what year was that? Uh, 2013. So that was when you really started to kind of find yourself and and what you wanted to play. Yeah, like I mean, that you're got... going on stage and and are you ever living on stage anymore? Or no, I I was singing um, "Stand by Me" and Valerie. Right. Yeah. So I think by that time I was like, okay, Amy Winehouse was cool, and um, I but I don't remember what orientation I had music music wise. But when I was in Dublin, that brought me back to making music because I think around my uh, graduation from high school around like these maybe three years or something I didn't really make music so and then from that point I entered the scene in Dublin I just I felt it so I was on stage and everyone was singing along to like cover songs I played I was like that's such a cool feeling people just sing along the whole crowd like all people in the bar and I was like, okay, I think I should really do this. Why were you not singing before? I just had other interests. And um, I, you know, maybe you know that too, when you have like ups and downs and like, okay, now mm -hmm. I'm like really, I'm in a flow mm -hmm. of making music. And I also didn't know really much, I guess. I wasn't that skilled back then. But from Dublin on, I um, tried to build up my skill set. Mm -hmm. So... That's um, also I remember my guitar skills weren't that good right. back then. So we all start like, there, and then uh, I tried to work my way up. Mm. So I think I started in two thousand and nine, but that was more of a surprise. Like I a surprise. Yeah, it was a um, charity concert for high school. Cool. <laughs> I would have been second last year. Yeah, there's this. I think it was the very first video I put on Facebook. It was me on stage playing a song, Wolves by Phosphorescent. You might not know them. I don't know. I saw them live a couple of years later 
and they did the, the, the song. Oh, wow. And it was, it was great. <laughs> and they were so nice as well. I went out to the guitarist afterwards, and I was like, I've got to get my train home. But that, And he was like, thanks so much for coming out and seeing us. Oh. But yeah, I remember people just going crazy, like high school. You know? mm-hmm. And then after that, I just had like a new status of, Oh wow! I'm that guy, you know, like and people I had that were, oh, too. Play the guitar, yeah. I had that too because right? uh, I told you I wasn't the coolest girl, dude in school, and <laughs> I was always like um, hanging around with uh, with the nerdy nerdy people. And then at one point, I started this band when I was 17. I got to together like musically with a guy um, that I've known before, but he taught himself um, drums at that point, mm. and I think. I took guitar lessons once, but I don't know. And then we kind of found each other again. And then uh, we thought maybe, maybe we could just make a band or something. Mm-hmm. And then um, he learned drums for the band and um, I played guitar. So I played his, I think it was a, what was it, ZZ Top, like this um, Les Paul with the uh, uh, yellow and black pattern on it. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we made some like grunge rock, garage, garage rock music or something. It was really funny because we made Blood Red Shoes kind of music, but not as good. So I wrote very bad English lyrics about, I don't know, corrupt um, policemen but, like, or like, really weird yeah. shit. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that was just like the, the time, like the kind of music we heard. How often were you writing? Um, I think we had that band for maybe only a year. I don't know. It wasn't that long. But then I, I just tried to to write something. I just didn't know what I was doing, I guess. I just tried to write music. And I didn't know that I could sing at that point, actually. I noticed when we had that gig at our school festival, because the school I was going to had uh, its own festival. So every year they set up a rock festival on the like in the backyard. It's really cool, and um, then we we had that gig, and I remember I played the last song alone, only me, my voice and the guitar, and then people were like, "Oh, you can sing!" Actually, I was like, "Oh, I didn't know that." So then, I don't know. I think I kind of experimented and tried to learn singing or something. So, were you working on your craft or? Was it something that just came naturally, your voice? Mm, I remember I tried to sing Alicia Keys songs. Like, I think I'm very ambitious. I like, try to do the impossible stuff first, which is not really... Okay. Um, but I took some lessons and uh, I had a classical voice coach. So I I didn't know what, what, you know, what I was getting myself into. So I was like, okay, maybe I should just take singing lessons. And then I got into the music school and she was like, do you speak Italian? I was like, no, never mind. You can sing it. So I sang Italian classic music. Wow. Right. For how long? Uh, three months, I guess. Right. So I know some classic technique and stuff. But after that, um, I think it got a bit too expensive. Do you incorporate that into your music now? I don't know. Any of the techniques? Maybe, maybe, the, maybe I use the techniques. Um, like automatically or something I don't know I, I don't really I'm not aware of using it you know I'm, I think that's so far away I think I was like 16 17 that time so 
Mm-hmm. Like that's over 10 years ago. So when you were at the gig the other day, what close enough is it's got that melancholy that you were talking about. Yeah. Where did that song come from? Oh, that, that song came from my last breakup. Um, but it was, I think it's actually a positive song because um, it kind of talks about like all the things you see after a relationship. Mm. Like not everything was bad, not everything was good. You know, you just see the big picture. Mm. So you just see, okay, okay, now, now I get that. Now I get this situation. Now I get why things didn't work out. So it's actually, in the end, it's a positive uh, message. It's absolutely melancholic because it's also sad, you know. Yeah. It ended and that's that was pretty painful. But um, I really drew positive things from it because like I grew a lot through uh, that relationship and the breakup and all everything that came afterwards. And then and one day I kind of had the feeling, okay, actually you see all the reasons now, you see everything that worked out or didn't work out and why and stuff. So I, I wrote that song that day.
tatsächlich ein Mitmachpart in diesem Song gehabt irgendwann mal. Und äh, ich glaube, wir sind jetzt schon langsam so weit, dass wir uns gut genug kennen, dass wir das zusammen mal ausprobieren können. Ganz einfach. From the from the performances that I saw the other day, mm -hmm. you have this really nice electric guitar. Oh yeah. Is this your thing now, or is this another piece of? Maybe it's m my bias, but I've always been kind of a, stuck to an acoustic guitar. I mm -hmm. find that electric guitar is just like too much fire. Like it. I, oh yeah. You yeah. know, it's so sensitive. I play. have a Les Paul, by the way. I have um, oh a different guitar. It's really nice. And. Um, I wanted to have this Les Paul, I don't know, I don't know, I think it was 19 something and I really wanted to have this guitar and my parents gave that to me for Christmas and birthday, so like a, a big, big present and um, I think I was into Slash that time because he's such a cool guy and uh, I think it was just kind of um, a special thing to have this guitar and then I tried to learn some stuff on it, but I think only now I really got into playing electric guitar because I had to evolve, I guess, mm. as a guitarist. And then the other day I tried to play a song uh, with a friend on that guitar and he had a um, Stratocaster and I had this um, Les Paul guitar. And then we, I think, we had almost the same um, setups um, with the amp, but my guitar was like 10 times louder. I was like so shocked. Okay, this is, th that's a big sound. So um, then I, but, but that was before I got the, um, the Telecaster. Mm -hmm. And when I got into soul music, mm -hmm. I think it was maybe four years ago or something, or I don't remember. Um, like all these soul musicians, they were playing different guitars. Like some were playing these hollow body guitars, some were playing um, Telecaster guitars. And I think Telecaster, I don't know if it's a trend or something, but I know punk bands with Telecaster guitars. Like that's not really typical punk, I guess. But um, Leanne Lahavas, for example, she plays a beautiful Telecaster. The impression I'm getting is that usually uh, an artist kind of um etches themselves out like a sculpture mm -hmm. over time yeah but it feels like you're evolving and you're changing yeah. directions yeah through your years is that something which is like um are you are you not satisfied with what you found so you keep looking or are you adding to your repertoire as I, you go i think i'm adding to it it's not that i'm i'm not satisfied also right now with the band, the band is very fresh. So I've had this band for uh, five, five months or something since April. Mm. And um, I just noticed right now I have to think in a band context and I'm the, um, the band leader. So that's a very different kind of skill, I guess. So I have to learn new, new things. And every one of the band adds different stuff to the sound. So I guess you noticed like the the sound of the band or the songs 
in combination with the band change they sound different yeah maybe maybe i'm just naturally evolving maybe as an artist but what's funny i talked to sam i call him instructor sam because we have actually we have we have five band members and uh, you saw four of them and sam was brought by juan my guitarist and he kind of um helped the band find um, a good way of working and uh, rehearsing so he he really played the the music teacher because he used to be music teacher in chile he asked me what what style do you want the band to play mm. and so yeah I, well right now i see myself as a i also I always call it soul folk so because i have different influences and i think thinking in boxes is sometimes pretty complicated I guess because mm. certain songs come from certain influences which are maybe not your typical style how would you describe soul folk uh it's sometimes funky sometimes sing uh, it's i don't want to say it but singer songwriter folky <laughs> i don't know okay. like sometimes would it be like if nina simone played jeff buckley <laughs> That's interesting. Um, I like Lake Street Dive, for example. They're always evolving uh, with their sound. Sometimes they're a bit disco, sometimes they're a bit rock and roll, sometimes they're more um, soul. So they have, they just take on different styles sometimes. But what was interesting, Sam asked me like, what style, or what, like, what direction should we go? It's like, I really want to do like, like street art direction like a soul um soul music uh thing but i love rock guitars i love rock music still like i think that's that's just in my blood because as i told you like my very early beginnings that was rock music but now i'm just so into the groove right i think i just love the the groove of soul and funk music so maybe that's that's the point that's very important to me and then he said I think I see you kind of in a way like Alanis Morissette or mm-hmm. it's like that's funny because I listened to her music as well when I was younger but also Katie Tunstall she's from Scotland yeah. yeah yeah and I love her music she just writes beautiful songs and she is doing rock music as well like mm-hmm. rock pop music yeah I see where you are yeah yeah so I think we kind of said okay Maybe like the way I write songs, it's not like really out of the box, not really like jazz or uh, crazy soul stuff. Maybe it's, it's like more pop melodies, but I think I move around a different, a certain area. So maybe it's, um, I, w- I would say it's soul folk, but combined with rock. So I would um, see myself in that area at the moment. I think that leads us into um, personally my favorite song, um, Stone Cold Heart. Oh yeah, that's pretty funky though. Yeah, that is, <laughs> that's got some serious energy as yeah. well. Because I remember, I think it... I played that song when I met you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was at Pony yeah. Bar, right? Yeah. Um, the famous Pony Bar. And yeah, it was like your... It was, it was the, maybe it was the, the, the way you were playing the song or like the energy that you had. It, it, like, 
it's really difficult to describe, but when you see someone performing a song, not just singing the song, mm. like you were really engaging and like mm. people, it's like really feel good. Yeah. And I really regret not recording it <laughs> at Osterbrook. But what, what's that, the, that, that song for you? What does that mean to you? And I'm getting the feeling that's the kind of the rock, the soul, yeah. the blues. Like it's a combination of all the triumphs. It feels like yes. a triumphant kind of song. Yeah, kind of. It's a song about our ego because um, I think I started that song over a year ago. I, can, I always had the idea of the song because um, I think, for example, you like a person or I don't know what, but your ego is always like with you and sometimes gets in your way because sometimes uh, you, you're maybe ashamed or afraid of speaking about things or speaking up because you say, oh my God, I, I don't know if I can do this. I just play it cool. So um, I think at the situation, I was into someone and I was like, oh no, no, I'm, I'm not going for it because I wanted to keep it cool and not, I don't want, didn't want to get turned down or something, you know what I mean? So yeah. maybe just like, uh, no, no, I'm, I'm not going for this. But I maybe thought of, it's just a very ironic thing because actually that's pretty stupid, right? If you just don't say what you want or what you like or because you maybe um, miss a chance. Yeah. And I just, I like to think about ironic things in life because life is pretty ironic. And I just had this idea of the topic and um, just like playing it cool. And then I had the groove in my, in my ear and kind of the, the melody, but I never wrapped my head, I could never wrap my head around, around the chorus. And then at one point I was like, okay, I really have to finish this. And then after some rounds of trying out choruses and melodies, I finished it. And I'm glad it turned out so well. It's the first thing on my mind when I wake up. But I won't show us cover my thoughts with a makeup. Sure to have a little crush, oh, but I know the limit. This is driving me mad. Go. 
Cause I'm out of control Heart by Harbor Violet, recorded at Pony Bar. So, do you write your songs around relationships? It depends. Um, some of the songs were certainly they certainly develop out of relationships or breakups or stuff like that, because um, that's like love and relationships. That's a big part of our lives, right? So, uh, humans cannot survive without that. I also wrote, I think that I never play that song right now, but I've played that song um, on a few a few gigs. It's called uh, Lonesome Warrior. That's, for example, about my past as not being a cool kid in school. So that's um, basically a hymn for all the, the outlaws that got kind of bullied in school. And now they achieved so much and look back at all the bullies and they're like, oh, well, I've come so far. Where are you now? So it's like I made it and I achieved so much on my own and I don't need you guys. So yeah. that's like being a, yeah, the lonesome warrior and uh, you can stand tall for yourself. That's also a big topic. I'm at the moment, I'm writing a similar, um, a song about a similar topic. Um, but yeah, I think maybe the last years, I don't know, maybe that, that was the main, the main topic, like relationships in general, also like personal relationships, but um, that can influence you pretty much in your life. Because I think only when you connect with people, you learn more about yourself. Yeah. And they kind of, sometimes they're like a mirror, 
and you can you can see okay actually i have these building sites on myself and i really have to work on this but you would never see that when you're just on your own all the time so so tell me about pancake kisses this the oh, song with the trumpet that's that's the cheesiest love song i ever wrote <laughs> right but it's a love song i think that's like really courageous yeah. for for almost um i mean definitely with me i'm always so conscious and really um uh yeah very self-conscious when i write yeah. something meaningful yeah even if even more so when it's positive mm -hmm. i find it easier to write about the sad things than about the good things. yes yeah so with the trumpet as well that's like a really nice thing on the side that mm -hmm. and you get the audience participation going yeah. as well it's the funniest thing ever if, if you try to get people doing mouth trumpet they look at you like you're completely crazy do you get the same reaction every time um i, th I think on saturday people were just like confused what she's serious yeah. <laughs> so but it was just really funny seeing re reactions and i played that song at knust as well because i was the support act of jonathan wilson Jonathan, um, Jonathan Wilson from... Yeah. Yeah. Is he the guitarist for... Roger, Roger Waters. World? Yeah. And it's... Yeah. I heard that and I was like, get out of here. I was here. like, what? Yeah, I was so... I was so excited for that gig. And that gig was pretty cool. So I sang Pancake Kisses um, at Knust. Yeah. And so many people joined the Mouth Trumpet Choir. And I was yeah. like, that's so cool. You give me goosebumps with your pen. It's always been the same 
last section here. But I'm solo. The guys didn't have time. Pancake Kisses recorded there as well at Pony Bar. Where do you see yourself from going from here? Is it still with the tide that you're going? Like with the with the curve of what will come around the corner next? What artists will influence you and slingshot you into another direction? Or Oh, I think it's always a thing of um, who and what influence you. Um, for example, Alan Stone got me into soul music. If I didn't hear... Uh, his cover of Second Sex and Candy. That's pretty pretty sick. Mm. Fellow um, with the glasses and the curly hair. Yeah. He's got a jaw on him. Have you seen that jaw? Yeah. <laughs> He's he does that thing. I think Annie Lennox said like sing without the the fear of how your face looks. You know. I'm paraphrasing, but but he's making he's making faces. It's hilarious. Yeah, but, but it's, it's totally great. fine. Yeah. Because it it works for mm. the sound. Yeah. yeah, I think his life performances influenced me pretty much because I saw him live twice and um, he has a great live band and they have a lot of power on stage. Like if you hear the recordings, it's not as, you know, mind blowing as if you would see him on stage because it's just a whole different energy and he really engages with the, with the audience and um, it's a whole different thing. I think I felt um, that when you when your band came out, like you're very good on your own. You've thank got you. this uh yeah, you've got like this um solo you have a capacity to draw a crowd totally on your own. So there was a point when I was like, Wow, you're drawing in about thirty people so far and you're on your second song or something in the outdoor gig. You know, and you're like chatting to people and keeping everyone going. Like it was a real a really nice Thank you. People were like smiling and having yeah. a good time and stuff. Yeah, I just want people to have a good time. Like, that's why you're there. Yeah, yeah. Have a good and there time. were people, what really got me was there were people in the terraces around. Really? Yeah. I, di I didn't notice that because yeah, I was yeah, so yeah. focused on like all the people around. Yeah, they had their windows open and like there was a, there was one point there was an old lady just like listening in. There was two Aww. guys at the bus stop like doing this. That's like, so cool. Yeah, yeah. I didn't notice that really. Yeah. I was wondering if people were walk, watching out of the windows because yeah. you could really like that the sound resonated from yeah. all the walls. The sound right? was so good there as yeah. well. There was such a really good acoustic in that area. Well, thanks to my band, we had to set up all the technic stuff ourselves. So we had all the amps like around us, and then we had the, the speaker, and we tried to like make the sound fitting for the audience around us. But, right. Okay. Yeah. 
So it was like a site specific performance. Yeah, pretty much. And there was like a bus, the bus station was right beside you. And there was bus drivers waiting for their shifts to drive away. But they were sitting there with their windows open, like not reading newspapers or they were just like listening in. And then (laughs) there were people getting off the bus and they would get off the bus and then look up and see there's a gig like right in front of them. That's so, that's so funny. I didn't didn't see that one. Yeah, but I think, um, um, getting back to the the influence thing, um, I think I now have a direction where I want to go, but I feel like, as far as the band sound is concerned, I'm getting drawn to like a rock direction Mm -hmm. sometimes. Okay. Because I think, I think that's just maybe the, the heart that you have in yourself, like the first influences that you soaked up maybe when you were younger because um but that makes sense to me because maybe that's the your roots Mm. and uh, you're going from there right so i don't know um i really like rock guitars and i like a real good rock song as well so um that will i think that will certainly be an influence for certain songs and performances with the band but um, I just talked to a friend about that, like the, the direction I'm going. I said, like, when you're on your own, you're certainly doing some kind of soul pop or, yeah, soul jazzy pop. And then um, with the band, it sounds more rock. But, um, yeah, I think everything, like all every artist that you meet on your way or you listen to influences you and you like it and you feel it. Mm. For example, I love Haim. Do you know Haim, the band? Yeah. With three, the, three, three sisters? Three sisters, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And uh, they write cool music. They have cool performances. And that's also like pop, rock mm. sometimes. Uh, yeah, I can hear the similarities, actually. And I like that. You know, I like that women play more instruments. And it's like becoming more equal now. And uh, I totally support bands like Haim. Um, where all sisters play instruments. Also, the singer plays uh, guitar and is a very good drummer. So she yeah. played for the Killers. Okay. Yeah, I think there was like one concert where she played a song with the Killers on drums. I was like... Mind blown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have any siblings? Yeah, I have a brother. Does your brother play? No. We're would, so different. Would you want him to? Um, I don't think I will get him to play. <laughs> Like, he's very different, um, also professionally. Uh, he, he is a um, mechanic, we say mechanic, yeah. uh, for big um, farm tractors and stuff, like big machines. Does he listen to your music? Um, I think so. He follows me on my, my channels. and um, But I think he's not really into the... Like the music thing, I'm I'm pretty much of a music nerd, I guess. So I listen to a lot of music, and I just like discovering new artists. But I think uh, he's not really into like the direction or the kind of music um, or the way I'm going. Actually, um, he's he's absolutely listening, and if I play, he's coming to concerts yeah. uh, in my hometown. So I had some some gigs there, and my family supports me as well. And, um, but they're also pretty far away, like two hour drive. So, but, um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm the, the artist and my, my brother is very, he's leading a pretty normal life. (laughs) 
you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and where where are you going man in the next three years? Say where where do you see yourself in the next three years with your music? I really want to play more festivals. I played some festivals this year, but as a solo artist, and I would love to play some festivals with my band. That would be awesome. And um, I really want to make an EP, uh, go into a studio, record stuff. Anywhere in particular? Oh, of course. I would love to play Deichbrand Festival at one point, or maybe like Hurricane or something. That's like play the big festivals but I would love to play also like bigger stages in and around Hamburg so Knus for me was pretty cool mm. so playing a support for uh, Jonathan Wilson was a very nice experience and I would love to play in Dublin for example because I know a few people there and um, yeah maybe I can organize something there I just want to see where things can go so Um, something I do on every podcast, I do five questions. Okay. Well, it's technically six questions, but I ask the same questions every time. Okay. And give me uh, the first answer that comes to mind. And if you want, you can explain it. If you don't want to, you don't have to. So the first question is, if you were an animal, what would you be? <laughs> what would I want to be? Or what would I be? That's an interesting question. <laughs> um, if you were, if you had, if you could turn into an animal right now, right now, yeah, I would be. I would love to be a puppy, I guess, because I can just like snuggle in on sofas, maybe, or just like eat all day and chill, you know. <laughs> and I would just get love from my family all the time, <laughs> you know, um, like like a puppy does. <laughs> okay. What's your biggest fear? My biggest spiders. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not like not failure or like uh, um, unattainable wealth. Like, I think those are my biggest fears. Okay. If failure is my biggest fear. Spiders is fine. Yeah, That's spiders okay. is pretty, yeah, I have a phobia, so. Do you know I used to have a phobia of spiders? Intense phobia of spiders. Like, shaking, crying, sweating. Oh, I cannot look at them. Yeah. I'm like, even thinking of them is like pretty... Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you something because this is something I need to I, I need to share this experience which may help you. Okay? okay. So it comes in two parts. The first part is how I got my phobia, and the second part is how I got over my phobia. So uh, I remember I was about five years old, six years old, and I made a Hoover out of two straws and a cup with like a, a seal on the top. Uh -huh. So you suck on one straw and things go in the other straw and then you can look at them in a jar. I read it in a, like, I was into adventure. I read it in a book. <laughs> it's so it cool. Like, it's yeah. so nerdy. <laughs> yeah, it was, right? And I was like going on leaves and I was sucking up like, oh, no. like drawing up. And then I was like, I'm going to get adventurous. And there was a house spider, which are harmless, but relatively large, brownish, hairy. And like, I'm just, uh, I'm a completely no fear of this thing, right? Okay. Fear, phobia, the difference being a fear is like, like uh rational you know like fear of deep water fear of falling fear yeah. of death yeah a phobia is irrational <laughs> yeah so this it's was my yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying so uh blah, blah blah hoovering on this spider and it was like slowly going down the pipe with its legs in both directions and then my mouth got really dry because i was sucking on this thing and it wasn't going into the into the can so i took a glass of water and i had a swig to get some saliva and then i sucked the wrong straw no 
Yeah. Oh my god. And it went. I I heard I heard like a pop, and it went into my mouth, and the, it was alive, and it was running around, and I I remember like shaking my face to keep it moving and not let it go down my throat, and I ran to the sink and spat it out, and I drowned it, in the in the sink. I turned on the taps. Oh my god. It, right. And it was like, oh, that was terrifying. And then about like six weeks later, I got this crazy intense fear of spiders. Any size, like the tiniest, these little, Same. They're, they're called, um, I think they're called red penny spiders or something. Or like little tiny red ones. They're the, absolutely, the, the mini, mini ones. The absolute tiny ones. I would shit myself when I saw those. Oh my God. I, I think I'm pretty fine with very tiny, tiny spiders. Right. But um, right. I remember I was I was on a date the other day. Like, I don't know, it was years ago. And then I was like, okay, I'm having a date. That's pretty cool. And then I noticed a big, big black spider running down the wall Fuck. behind the guy I was on a date with. I was like, freezing. Yeah. <laughs> I was, oh my God, I was completely out of water. Like, oh my God. So I... Um... And all, what actually made it a lot worse was my dad could easily pick them up and chuck them out and stuff. And what he would say was, oh, be a man and grow up and don't cry. And that made it worse. Don't do it. No, no, no. Right? So yeah. what actually got me over it was I was down in England and I was on a holiday or something. I was at this zoo. I think I was trying to impress someone. But we're like walking <laughs> through a tunnel and... And suddenly I realize I'm in this spider tunnel. You know, it's like a like a tunnel to another room. And on each side are glass... Uh, Beautiful. What are they called? Like glass houses, yeah? Yeah. And each one's like a different fucking breed of tarantula. Like it's a spider oh. tarantula. Oh, and I remember learning about tarantulas are actually really slow. And so they don't really bother me. It's the spiders that bother me. And also like tarantulas have fangs that face each other spiders have fangs that go down with it they're parallel i think anyway i get i remember getting these like electric shocks up and down my back so oh my God. and i'm trying to be as calm as i can I'm like i eight. feel them now like right yeah so then i get to the uh arachnophobia fucking unit or something it's like there's like a reptiles or something it's like a snake skin there's some lizards and there's this uh tarantula called it was from chile as well It was called Ruby, right? And She had a name. Ru yeah, Ruby was asleep. And uh, I always remember when I see a spider, I always see it really large mm -hmm. in my eyes. Mm -hmm. And I see its neck, yeah. even though they don't have a neck. And I see its eyes, like its permanent staring oh, eyes. It's the eyes that really get me. And also just the, the kind of absolute overwhelming image in my mind's eye of this giant thing like around my face. So... I said to the woman, uh, someone said to me, like, you know, we're going to put Ruby on your hand. And I was like, okay. And I put my hand like this about five inches off the, the table. And she said, you have to put your hand on the table because if you drop her from this height, she dies. Right. So that was my first surprise. I was like, oh, that's pathetic. So pathetic already in my head, like spider, this size of spider isn't actually that terrifying. And then I said, okay, what about that thing where if, They sense your fear and they throw the hairs around. And she goes, <laughs> why would she do that? Why would she waste energy in that? And I said, okay, big one. What if she goes running up my arm? And she goes, well, she's conserving energy. Why would she run up your arm looking for food that she doesn't know it's there? She wouldn't go there. All right. And I was like, okay. Okay. So I was like, right, let's do this. But I can't look. So I looked away and I felt the woman's hands opening 
above my hand like this. And then she goes, okay, she's on your hand. And I genuinely couldn't feel her. And was I, that like? Yeah. And I looked at her and she's just sitting there. And it's like the image I have in my head now, which really helped, was a furry animal. So I see a furry black animal sitting there. She's not doing anything. And then her bum, like the big bit at the back, started shaking. And I was like, oh, she's doing something. She's shaking. And she said that was the vibration in my arm. That was me. Oh my God. That's how sensitive they are. And then she was like, okay, she's had enough. And she picked picked up the tarantula out of my hand. And that was it. And I remember like two days later, I had no fear of spiders. Absolutely. Are you serious? It was gone, yeah. It was completely gone. I was in the attic about six months afterwards looking for some old photos or something. And I felt like this feathery brush over my hand and I looked down and it was a big fucking spider just went right over my hand and I sort of went oh because of the fright of what the fuck was that but then when I saw it was a spider I was like oh it's a spider you know and then also I could start to like pick up spiders off the table with the same cloth in my hand you know I, before I had to be away from the thing that is yeah. on now I can put them in a jar and like chuck them inside I'm absolutely fine wow but yeah, that, that that what you have to do, what I've heard is you look at images of them, slowly make the images bigger, and then the last stage, like see it in parts and okay. then see it all together. The last stage is having one sit on your hand. And honestly, by then the fear is gone. Holy crap. So, or the phobia. So the next question. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Sorry about that, Matt. Uh... Like that was an emotional roller coaster. That was like, it, can... right? Yeah, you're going through several several emotions there. Uh, is that tears? Is that tears coming out? It's not. It's not. Okay, so uh, what is your biggest accomplishment? My biggest accomplishment? It can be an activity or a personal triumph or an emotional thing, school, anything. Mm, my biggest achievement. I have a few. I finally got myself into therapy and I think that's a topic people don't want to talk about or afraid to talk about and even now like I was thinking should I talk about this but like but if I don't talk about it if you, if you don't talk mm. about that uh, it just feeds the stigma and that's just really bad so um, I'm not like ill or something I just thought uh, you know when you notice you went on autopilot for a long time and uh, you grow up and you, you're out of school and you make your way somehow through the job jungle and then at one point you're like, oh wait, what do I actually want? And then, then you reflect, okay, who am I actually? Like, what direction do I want to go? And I think that also plays into my music, like uh, your personal development, of course. Um, and it's just a very nice thing to do. I just recommend that to everyone just to... I mean, even if you're not sick or something and you just want to learn more about yourself um, and you think you might need someone who's like viewing you from a different angle, that's perfect. So it just helped me a lot to find a direction. And uh, by now, oh yeah, the biggest achievement now is actually um, through the uh, process in therapy, I made my way to um, starting my own business slowly. So I'm going to work part-time from October. And I have a very nice boss. So shout out to uh, Regina. She's very nice. She um, helped me to uh, get the part-time thing going. 
and she talked to my boss, like the boss boss. And um, everyone's very nice and supportive and um, they want to help me to uh, have it easier, like a smooth transition from the full-time thing to um, the freelance career. So, Can you yeah. say what you'll be doing? Um, I'm going to be working as a graphic designer, an illustrator and musician. So I have two, let's say, um, two businesses basically. Mm. So um, I don't have to be afraid of not getting jobs and music. So I still have the opportunity to work as a graphic designer and freelance there. So yeah, I think that's, that's my biggest achievement so far. Okay. <laughs> if uh, you could bring back someone from the past living or dead anybody famous relative anybody. personal anyone imaginary anyone from the past who would you bring back that person doesn't have to be dead right <laughs> does it say anyone or is anybody. it anyone um, anyone actually what are the rules <laughs> I question everything no okay, okay. Sorry. I'll rephrase someone somebody who's no longer living Okay. That sounds pretty funny, but um, Carlo Pirazzoli, but Spencer, I think I would love to bring him back because I grew up with all the Terrence Hill and Bud Spencer movies. I watched them with my dad and I don't know why I'm emotionally like not attached, but what do you say? I'm emotional uh, with this topic because I think um, it's, it's not, I, I don't know for what reason, but I got really sad when he died. I was like, oh my God, this is not true. And then I cried my heart out. Like I was so sad that Bud Spencer died. Um, I think it was because I grew up with all the movies and every time I uh, was with my dad on Sundays, we would watch like Terrence Hill and Bud Spencer movies with very weird fighting scenes like you know the sound effects are just the best and um yeah i think he was very inspiring because up until his 80s like i think he was 82 he he always kept going like he kept composing uh cooking and playing in movies making movies and i think he's just a big inspiration to never give up and just keep going mm -hmm. and yeah I think I had the same feeling with um, Steve Irwin. All oh, right. And Robin Williams. Oh wow. Robin Williams was like losing a, like an uncle. Oh yeah, if you know I had the mean? same yeah, I had the yeah, same feeling. Because it's a yeah. huge part of your childhood mm -hmm. that's yeah. gone. Yeah. Yeah. I had the same feeling. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> next question: um, If you were on a desert island and you could only have one meal or food grow like it for me lasagna right if you, it, can, it doesn't have to be logical okay it, okay it grows on trees and okay. it's there forever but you only get one thing for the rest of your life what is it oh my god one food thing i wanted to say popcorn but that doesn't popcorn. <laughs> you can survive <laughs> but you cannot survive in popcorn yeah uh, I think you would get horrific <laughs> diarrhea yeah. and then you would just be absolutely sick of popcorn. I would die after a week. Um, <laughs> I love popcorn. Um, Do you want to see popcorn? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I want to survive at least for a bit. Um, I say veggie sushi because real sushi, 
is actually like in the long run if I just like eat sushi every day that's not that's not good and it never goes <laughs> in this circumstance it never goes off so you don't have to worry about like yes yeah I, I can just grow veggies and put them into my sushi cool okay that's a really good one <laughs> yeah all right last one what's your favorite word my favorite word <laughs> yeah I have a very I think I have um, a Russian word that's my favorite word it's also Polish it's Petrushka and it, mean? uh, it means, um, we say, parsley. It's parsley? Yeah. In like the, the, the herb that grows in your grandmother's garden. Parsley? <laughs> yeah. I think that, that, that green herb. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's parsley. Okay. What, why? <laughs> Is it the sound? It's also a connection to my childhood, I guess, because uh, on our farm we had a worker from Poland and his name was Hendrik and he just died he was like um, also like an uncle for for us he always brought sweets and uh, he brought um, vodka for my parents so every time he came from Poland he brought something to eat and it was always like a surprise and um, he taught us some words in Polish and uh, it was pivo kaczkariwaczka that means uh, little duck or something i don't know i don't know how to translate that into english but um the other thing was petrushka and i just i just love the the mm. sound of the word and i don't know every time i meet a polish or russian person it's like oh i know one word <laughs> so that's <laughs> so like that or if you're in a restaurant you that's be like... that's the icebreaker because everyone's like why the fuck do you know this word <laughs> yeah well yana thank you very much for uh taking the time to speak to me and opening up so much as you did it's been really interesting learning about your your origins and how your music feels like your your path in your life has shaped how your music comes out absolutely and i wish you all the best in the future so thank you so thanks much, much. <laughs> thanks so much for listening to this podcast this has been a really good one um i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did i had a lot of fun interviewing yana and uh, editing this, putting this piece together. It was a first for me as well to make a little soundscape at the beginning of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed that. Jana Hansman can be found all over the internet. She's on Instagram, she's on Facebook, SoundCloud, uh, YouTube. Just look her up, Harbour Violet, and I'm sure you'll find something there. And if you still want to support me, you can go to the link for PayPal. That's paypal.me forward slash Hugh Burgess Germany. Don't forget to leave a review uh, on this podcast on iTunes. It gets more visibility for the podcast and it looks awesome as well. I'm interviewing some cousins of mine who are going to be sailing across the Atlantic in December. So stay tuned. That will be next month. All the love, guys, and I'll see you next time.